You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. The question we've been asking in this series is, how do you and I learn to bring value to the culture without compromising your identity or your God? And that's exactly where we find the biblical character Daniel and the other Jewish young men who've been exiled to Babylon. These exiles had to answer the same questions that you and I struggle with today. As followers of Jesus Christ, what should we do in a pagan culture? What should we do in a godless culture? Should we hide in a holy huddle or should we participate in culture to become God's agents of blessing to the cultures in which we live. The book of Daniel offers a surprising perspective by telling us stories of Israelites who were both loyal to a foreign culture and subversive to Babylon. They offered their best efforts to seek the well-being of Babylon while also critiquing and resisting its idolatry of power. Now, followers of Jesus offer their ultimate allegiance to Jesus, the risen king. And yet, we are to critique any kingdom that exalts its own values and power to the place of God. But at the same time, we're to seek peace. And we're to offer our best efforts to the communities in which we live This is both loyalty and subversion that's energized by the hope that one day King Jesus will return and replace our Babylons with his eternal kingdom. Now our culture, especially here in America, operates on the manufacture of fear. Fear of economic collapse or political chaos or benefits being gone or a pandemic or crime or the fact that the media tells us that everything can kill you, even things you used to trust. They give you questions about your personal safety. There are threats from the heavens, whether they're asteroids or other threats from the heavens, threats from the earth's cores, if it's going to erupt around you, threats from inside you, like your mental state and what's going on inside your physical being, threats from medications that used to be approved and okay and are no longer, threats from vaccines. And as long as fear reigns, it will dominate the news. A lot of times people hear a certain phrase and when they hear it, they begin to experience anxiety. The phrase is this, hey, did you hear? And as soon as you hear that phrase, did you hear, you begin to experience anxiety your core fears kick in. You realize that this may be a situation for which you're totally unprepared. It might be a health diagnosis, a breakup, a death, but sometimes it's as simple as an unexpected bill, a child who gets in trouble, a rumor of layoffs, or a troubling dream you had at night. Well, Whenever you experience trauma, your body tells the score. It reacts. You have an increased heartbeat. The sweats happen. You begin to perspire. You experience anxiety. You're suddenly maybe transported back to being a teenager or a little kid. Trauma slaps you and says, I'm back. And since you and I cannot see the future, where can you and I find peace in circumstances that are going to require both prayer and perspiration? Well, that's where Daniel and his friends find themselves in a very troubling experience 
in the book of Daniel chapter two, and the book tells it best. We're gonna spend some good time in this chapter together today. If you'll open with me to Daniel chapter two, beginning with verse one, it says, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, that's the king, had dreams, and his mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. And then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. And the king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. And once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. And then the king answered, I am certain that you were trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. And the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. And this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Well, you think that your restrictions are bad. Could you imagine such an unfair demand being put on you? Tell someone what they dreamed and interpret it. Like you've got to tell them what they actually dreamed without them giving you any hints. Well, it may not be that bad for you, but there are situations where anxiety arises for you and me. And if you're taking notes today, write this down. Anxiety strikes when you face a problem for which you are totally unprepared. Totally unprepared. Let me ask, who is prepared for the pandemic? Who got anxious at least once in the last calendar year? How many times did the unthinkable happen? Literally in the past 12 months, we've had the pandemic, social unrest, a massive shift to restructured relational connection and isolation and media. We've had massive fires and smoke here in California. We've had political change and chaos. Personally, I broke my arm in the last year. Heather broke her foot. Fortunately, not at the same time. Our air conditioning broke down and restrictions meant many of our travel plans were tossed out the window. Nobody could see all that coming. We just can't see the future. 
but situations arise for which you and I find ourselves totally unprepared. And in this situation, the wise guys of Babylon find themselves in before the king and his harsh restrictive decrees make them anxious. So first it was just the king who was anxious. Now it's the king and all the wise men who have been condemned to death because they can't conjure up what a person dreamed. Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Anxious people inflict equivalent anxiety on others. You've heard the phrase, hurting people hurt people. Well, often they do because they're so anxious, they're so hurting, they lash out like an animal backed into a corner with seemingly no escape. And worldly advisors want to come along when they're working with a leader. They want to fix or appease a leader's anxiety. However, the godly advisors, godly people approach anxiety differently. We approach anxiety as an opportunity for God to do something greater than we ever could. That God is the prince of peace, one to bring peace in anxious and troubling times. God has to show up. There's no other way around it. These men are condemned to death for doing what no human can do. So God has to show up. There's no way out of this situation. The king is not gonna change his mind. The king is not gonna bend. He's the king. There are no legal repercussions for him to sanction, in the essence, the murder of all the wise men who counsel him. He's the king. He can do what he wants. So what happens if you're a Christ follower in a situation that you have no control over? Well, you're gonna come before the Lord and you're gonna begin to seek him because God has to show up in your impossible situation. Daniel chapter two, verse 14 and following says this, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. And he asked the king's officer, why did the king offer such a harsh decree? And Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he urged them, Plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, praise be to the God forever and the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings. He raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power and you have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Wow, God just shows up. He does an amazing work, but we can learn some things from what Daniel does in this situation. 
when it comes to your anxiety, when it comes to places where you have to interact with other people, situations over which you have no control. It might be a health situation. It might be a situation in your workplace. It might be a situation in your family. It might be conflict between a school district and your family, or it might be a situation over which you realize I have no control relationally or physically or financially in this. I have no control but we can learn some things from what Daniel did. If you're taking notes, write this down. When anxious, bring value through wisdom and tact. See, Daniel saw this as an opportunity for God to do what only God can do. And if God doesn't, if God doesn't do it, then God's gonna resurrect Daniel because resurrection is a greater miracle than death prevention. But at this point, he would really like to experience death prevention because the order for them to be put to death had been made. And so God's gotta show up, he has to. Through, in essence, through prayer and perspiration, he tackles anxious times and anxious people. What about you? When was the last time you cried out to God in holy desperation? Not just a nice sounding prayer or um, a very controlled emotional situation, but what about the time you cried out to God in holy desperation? When was the last time you caught yourself trying to figure it all out, trying to control the situation because of your fears and you're still unable to do anything about it? That's the opportune moment when you and I must get on our knees and cry out to God in holy desperation that we need him. We need him to fight our battles. We need him to go before us. We need him to be our rear guard, to be our front guard. We need him to do what only God can do and we come before him in holy desperation. When was the last time you humbled yourself enough to cry out to God in holy desperation in your impossible situation. Well, Daniel does that. He does that. He talks to the supervisor with tact and with wisdom, but not only that, he's going to go and seek God. And I would encourage you to write this down. Seek God alone and get prayer support from your inner circle. You're not meant to do life alone, that you need other people around you. So get those others around you to pray with you. Verse eight says that he urged his friends, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven so that God would do what only God could do. And you and I need to be humble enough at times to ask for help. To not just pray and seek God on our own, but to seek God corporately together with your friends. Well, Daniel 2, 24 goes on, it says this. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon and said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret his dream for him. And Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. And the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, by the way, Belteshazzar, remember, means to save the life of the king. And it's interesting because in this situation, the king's so desperate, that might just be at stake. That his threat has been to kill the wise men and Daniel may, in essence, be asking God to help him save his own life. But according to the Babylonian name he's been given by the leaders of Babylon, his name means to save the life of the king. 
So the king asked Daniel, Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was one of the people standing in the king's court that day and they bring in this man, this exile from Judah to Babylon, this wise man, Daniel, and the king asks him, can you do what I've asked you to do? And he starts off by saying, no man can do it. I want you to know that you might want to go up and just slap that guy and say, listen, when the most powerful man on the planet asks you if you can do what you've been called into his presence to do, the last thing you say is no. But Daniel continues. He says, no man can do it, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. Verse 29, as your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. And as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. And while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron, of clay, and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. And the wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. And now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings, the God of heaven, has given you dominion and power and might and glory. And in your hands, he's placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky, wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. All, you are that head of gold. And after you, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there'll be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, and as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. And in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will in itself endure forever. And this is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then 
King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. And the king said to Daniel, surely your God is a God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery. And then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon, placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Wow, what an amazing thing. I want you to know today that not just back in Daniel's day, Not in this day of Nebuchadnezzar, but in the days in which you and I live, there is still a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And most of those mysteries are revealed to you and me, things that Daniel never particularly saw revealed to you and me right here through his scripture, that we have been revealed God's, his big plan to take people who were exiled because of sin, people who were drawn out of every nation and every culture in the world. And he's drawing them into a family where he's lavishing on them an inheritance, uh, a salvation which will never uh, perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for us through his Holy Spirit, that God would become flesh, that he would come, that his kingdom would be that mountain that destroys all earthly kingdoms, all political parties, all everything in earth that earth evaluates and everything in earth that earth elevates and everything in earth that earth values, the kingdom of God will overcome and reign righteous and supreme. We put our hope in that and that God will call us out of the trap of sin, things of iron and clay, things that we thought were gold, but they simply get destroyed and waft away like chaff. And he's calling us into his forever kingdom. Man, God's word has revealed to us mysteries in the heavens that we just didn't know about. And God still wants you and I to seek him, to have guidance and the wisdom of him instead of just the wisdom of other people. Not just worldly wisdom or wise people in your life, but simply that you also can seek the God and ask him to come through in ways that only God can, in the ways that only God has to. And there are those moments where God will reveal to you wisdom beyond your experience and wisdom beyond your years in the impossible situations that you're facing. Well, I think it's interesting to take note about a couple of things that Daniel did we would think if Daniel was smart, he'd say, hey, kill off the astrologers. Get rid of the magicians. Get rid of the occultic advisors that are all around you, Nebuchadnezzar. Let's get rid of, let's, get, let's clear the, in a sense, clear the swamp, right? Of all these people who are really gonna just tell you flattering things and misleading things. And let's pursue this God of heaven. He could have come along to have like religious reform in Babylon, But what we notice is that he didn't. That he didn't see that as his job. That he saw that as God's job, the job of the kingdom that comes formed of rock that destroys all others, becomes a huge mountain. That that's the agenda and the timing and the will of almighty God and it's his place to do that. And we notice that Daniel does something else. If you're taking notes, write this down. Don't seek to destroy self-inflated advisors. 
Oh, he could have played the cards right and gotten all those other advisors out, but he didn't. He didn't seek to destroy them. In fact, by interpreting the dream, telling it to the king, he saved their lives. We talked last week and continue to talk as we look at the book of Daniel, that it's better to make a difference than to make a point. It's better to make a difference. And that's exactly what Daniel's doing right here. He's making a difference to the emotions of the king and to the confusion of the king. He's making a difference to the health and wealth and well-being of Babylon itself and obviously to the wise men. But there are times that you and I want to take your angst and focus it against political leaders or advisors. And when you and I do that, we limit our influence in culture. If you're trying to make yourself make a point and make yourself right, oftentimes you're just erasing your influence that you can have with other people. Now, in a democracy, we can change our leaders and we can do so through political avenues. But the average person doesn't seek to do that. The average person just complains. And when they complain, they limit the value they can bring to culture because they become negative or they become self-inflated or they become really judgy. And that's not what the people of God who align ourselves with the ultimate kingdom of God are to do. That we're to bring value without compromising our identity as Christians or our God. I'll write this down. What do we do instead? We need to honor the position, title, and authority of those who oversee you. That's what Daniel did. He honored the position of the king. He didn't say, you know what, king? There's a God and God is gonna have his way with you someday, king. You're so self-inflated and you think you're all that important and this king of kings is gonna destroy you and your kingdom. He didn't say that. He gave honor to King Nebuchadnezzar. He spoke honor to him. He acted honorably. Actually, Daniel served under, I believe, almost five kings in his lifespan, and he showed honor to them. What does he do? See, he becomes an advocate. Well, what does an advocate do? An advocate still speaks truth to people who are in positions of power. He didn't hide the truth. He didn't flatter and then let the truth go away. No, he, he spoke the truth. He said, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. But in saying that there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, he still honored the king for his earthly title and position and authority. So we have to be honest about the source of all wisdom. The source of all authority comes from God. And when God does what only God can do, lost people preach God's greatness. And we see it in what Nebuchadnezzar says, that he begins to say, there is a great God. He's the God of all gods. He's the king of all kings. That there is this God who reveals mysteries and, and his anxiety was relieved and his confusion was alleviated and he was elevated in his spirit where he had confusion and anxiety. He now has peace and he has purpose and he understands his place of his kingdom in the scope of eternity and that his kingdom is not eternal. Wow, people become so much more convinced by God's work than by your or my lobbying or by our social media posts. But we gotta influence them and we gotta work around them. We gotta show honor to them, the people who have leadership over you and over me. And number seven, write this down. I love this, what Daniel did 
He gets promoted, he gets uh, gifts and he gets influence that are given to him by the king because the king wants to honor this guy to say, you actually told me my dream, you actually interpreted it for me and now I'm gonna lavish gifts on you. Well, what does he do? He says, let, let my friends come up and have a promotion as well. Well, if you're writing notes down, write this down. Use a promotion for larger godly influence. If God expands your territory in your workplace, if God expands your territory in your family, if God blends a couple families together, if God gives you influence and opens the door relationally with people that you didn't really have influence before, if God is giving you a larger influence, a promotion of influence, use it for godly influence. And then mobilize others to influence alongside you. He brought his friends around him. Well, let me ask. In the last year, what has made you prayerful and has also made you perspire? There have been situations where you realize this is going to take a lot of work, a lot of perspiration. It's going to cause some worry. It's going to cause some anxiety that comes up. But I'm going to need to bring that before the Lord in prayer. What has made you anxious? And I want to challenge you to say, is the God of gods and is the Lord of kings a revealer of mysteries to you? Are you seeking him? In what troubles you? Or are you just trying to keep your head ahead of what's going on in society, ahead of what's going on in the culture, trying to keep your peace as you talk to people and, and make sense of a senseless world, the world got mad? Are you, are you seeking Jesus? Are you asking God the Father and the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the mysteries in the areas that trouble you and to give you wisdom in your impossible situations? I mean, what could happen? If you and I in desperate times turn our eyes to God through prayer and perspiration and we look for an opportunity to bring value as God demonstrates his mighty power in our fallen and pagan cultures. See, God wants to do great things in and through you, but he does that by placing his people to be witnesses in a culture that is confused, that is lost, that is hurting and is so anxious. And in a time of anxiety like we experience right now, the question I want you to ask is, God, would you allow me to make a difference where I have influence for the sake of your name because you're a great and mighty God? And God, would you begin to reveal mysteries to me that as I come to seek you, that you would give me wisdom beyond my years, that you would give me understanding in my situation, that you would give me the patience not to run ahead of you, God, and you would give me peace in my anxieties. That's my prayer for you and our prayer for you as a church that our church would be the kind of influencer and blessing and culture that brings peace to anxiety, that brings a God who reveals mysteries to bring salvation to people. And the greatest mystery that Daniel was on one side of seeing that the disciples with Jesus were the firsthand eyewitnesses of seeing is the mystery of salvation. That God would become flesh, that he would dwell on earth, that he would become the king of kings, the Lord of lords. But the way he would do that is by offering himself up on the cross, to die on the cross, to take our sin upon himself and to take the righteous punishment of God against sin on himself and that he would cancel it out, that he would pay that penalty that was demanded 
and should have been paid by you or should have been paid by me because it is your sins that Jesus paid the price for. It's my sin that Jesus paid the price for. And he took it upon himself and he canceled it out. And now he offers us a gift that there's been a mystery that there's been something you couldn't have dreamed that in the lostness of your sin, that there could be offered to you salvation. That in the shakiness of your kingdom, there could be offered to you an eternal kingdom and blessing that will never perish or spoil or fade. That your sins could be washed away, that you could be guaranteed access into heaven, that you could have the righteousness of Christ in, in trade for the sin that you have. And he offers that to you and me, but it must be taken as a free gift. The mystery has been revealed. The interpretation has been made, but it's up to you to receive that gift. A gift that will bring peace to your anxiety, a gift that will bring purpose to your future, a gift that will help you understand that your kingdom is not the end all of the world, but that his kingdom is the one that's eternal. And if today you would like forgiveness for your sins and you'd like to come to Jesus and you would like to offer your life to God, that you would like salvation, then you do this simply by praying a prayer like this right after me, right where you are. Just pray something like this. Just say, Jesus, today, I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and that you were buried. You rose to new life because you're God. And I ask you to make me a new creation on the inside and wash me as white as snow. Cancel out all my sin and make me spiritually alive with you as part of your forever family. Because today, Jesus, I give you me. And if you prayed that right now, then your sins are forgiven. You are a new creation on the inside. God will give you his Holy Spirit on the inside to dwell in you and to help you understand how to live life and as an in, a, a inheritance, a sign of inheritance of what's waiting for you in heaven. That he, the Holy Spirit is a sign and a seal that there is a future kingdom to which you belong through salvation in Jesus Christ. And that is a reason to celebrate in anxious times. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.